The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So welcome to this Monday Dharma talk, which is now beginning of part two of the introduction to mindfulness meditation. And um, for this week, I would like to talk about the hindrances. There's five hindrances. And people who do mindfulness meditation, one of the kind of standard things to do is to become um, well familiar with how the hindrances work in us. And the value is that we want to understand what hinders our ability to be aware, to be mindful. And this is a wonderful principle that the very thing that is the obstacle uh, is becomes the, the practice. So rather than letting it remain the obstacle that hinders awareness because we get pulled into trained thoughts of the hindrances, um, we turn around and make the hindrances the object of the mindfulness. And what's brilliant about that is that it doesn't require the hindrances to go away to reestablish mindfulness. We establish mindfulness on the very challenge we have. And this is one of the important principles of vipassana practice in general. It is not an avoidant practice, but rather a practice that turns towards, uh, that stands near, stands, stands next to what's happening and able to accompany it, to see it, to know it without becoming it, without being entangled with it. And so, um, so rather than being upset when we can't be mindful, it just, uh, not being able to be mindful is an indication that we need to turn our attention to something different than we have been paying attention to, to the very thing that's making it difficult. So if there's a lot of thinking, for example, that takes people away, then we want to practice mindfulness of thinking. But sometimes even that's not enough. And sometimes what's propelling the thinking, what's propelling our caught-upness is some form of desire some form of hindrance. And there's five hindrances. Uh, desire is the first. Uh, more technically, it's sensual desire. The second is aversion. So not wanting something, wanting something to go away. And the, the uh, third is usually translated as sloth and torpor. But uh, in that it kind of fits uh, the hindrance of, the, of fear quite a bit it might be more appropriate to translate it as uh, uh, sloth and rigidity, or rigidity and torpor. And, um, and then there is restlessness and regrets, and then there's doubt. So these are the five, seven actually, but two of them are, pair, two of them are pairs. And um, so desire. Desires are an important part of life, and they uh, the very thing which trips us up in our lives. Desires free us from trouble, and desires put us in trouble. And so desires are multifaceted, and beginning to recognize desires as desires 
is phenomenally helpful. If you can recognize the desires as desires, then you have a chance then to feel and sense and experience what it's like having the desire. And some desires in and of themselves feel like our freedom is compromised. Feels like that we are caught in something. We're being compelled, being pushed. It's almost like we lose our self-determination because a desire overwhelms us. So, you know, compelling us to act in a certain way. Other forms of desire do not limit our freedom, doesn't limit our capacity to stay grounded and centered here, uh, it actually supports it, supports us to be centered, supports us to be present, and, be, and the feeling of those desires can feel even nourishing, they can feel right, they can feel like they're part and parcel of a centered, grounded way of being, alive and present. And the second desire is connected to mindfulness. That what we're trying to do in mindfulness is to establish awareness here. The foundation of mindfulness, foundation of awareness, is stability, this uh, being here in a clear way so that we're abiding, living in awareness, not living in abiding in the desires, not abiding in the thoughts that we're having. And so when, 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 and when thinking and desires get merged, then we can be in trouble because then the mind uh, gets kind of swept away in thought, propelled by the desire. Uh, and, if, um, and if there's a lot of attachment together with the desire, then there can be, the thinking can be comp- com- compulsive. And when the thinking is compulsive, then sometimes the behavior becomes compulsive too. Uh, the pressure is so strong. And one of the things that happens with this compulsive desires, and that compelled is thinking a lot, is that uh, we get caught in the hindrance of desire. And uh, as I said, it's often translated as the hindrance of sensual desire. Sometimes it's the, it's, it's just, uh, in the ancient text, it's also described as the hindrance of acquisitiveness, wanting to have something and um, to acquire something for myself. And, um, and of course, there you, it's okay to acquire things uh, that are healthy for us and when we acquire them in healthy ways, but it's the, uh, the greed, the clinging, the grasping, the compulsion, the pushing that um, becomes the hindrance that makes it difficult to be present, diff- difficult to be centered here, difficult to stay aware as opposed to being pulled away into the train, uh, the trains of train cars of, of thinking over and over again. So what we want to be able to do is begin to recognize when desires are there. And, um, and desires are there a lot, so it shouldn't be too difficult to begin recognizing desires. In the course of your daily life, you might stop a few times, maybe on the hour, every hour, and just um, have some kind of alarm that goes off and then say, what, what desire am I involved in right now? Um, in, you know, if you find yourself in a supermarket, well, there is some desire that got you there, you're looking for something to buy, you want something there. It's maybe every aisle, aisle you're on, you're looking for what you want. You're based, you know, it's a searching. There's nothing wrong with that, but 
what's the quality and the nature of that desire? Does it feel, if you really check in about how you're desiring, does it feel relaxed and easy? Does it feel nice and comfortable? Or is it, uh, is it tight and stressful to have it? Uh, if you find yourself driving your car, what is the nature of desire there? And if you're driving fast, does that tell you something about how you're living in your desires? Um, and uh, if you're driving with a lot of impatience, that's tell you something about the nature of your desires. If you, um, you know, are doing anything at all, if you're uh, talking on the phone or answering an email, what desires are operating there? And is that desire that you have, does it feel good to have? Or when you really pay attention to it, it's stressful and strainful. There's desires all the time, and you can get tied up in knots if you look at every desire carefully. But to begin becoming cognizant of desires so that you can begin centering yourself on desires which are healthy. And you'll learn to recognize when they're not good for you or for other people. And then you learn, because you learn to become familiar with them and you know them well, what they feel like, slowly you learn how to be free of desires. And ideally, we're free of both good desires and bad desires, healthy and unhealthy ones. The healthy ones, too, it's possible to have clinging and grasping. But we want to, even healthy ones, we want to hold lightly and present, act on if it's appropriate. So sitting in meditation, then, uh, one of the things to become aware of is the functioning of desire. And part, as I said, part of the reason to sit and become calm and centered and stable here, maybe something that happens over the course of a meditation session, one of the functions of that is so once we're stable, then we're going to be in a, have a vantage point in which to feel or sense or experience desires when they arise. We can see them there. Oh, now there's a wanting. There's thoughts, not just thinking going on, but there's thoughts driven by desire. Fantasies are thoughts driven by desires, usually. And so you might, from the beginning of this, just keep it very simple. Just recognize that, oh, there's a desire. As opposed to deciding exactly what the desire is. Um, Maybe that can be for later. But see what kind of freedom comes. But just really clearly recognizing this is a desire. I'm not proposing this to make your meditation busy, a lot of searching and looking and analyzing, but the idea is once you're kind of arrived and centered and stable here, then you might want to be on the lookout, uh, keep an eye out for it, or it might be most useful before you become centered. Because the very thing that's keeping you from beginning into the present moment and makes it difficult when you first sit down is because the spinning of your thoughts is driven by some strong desire. And uh, it might be useful to sit down and see, oh, look at that. No wonder it's hard to be settled right now. There's a desire that's very compelling and compulsive that's still caring with me. Desire to think something or figure something out or plan something. Planning is, a des- is, you know, is a, usually a desire. And um, so, in order to, so I'll repeat this very important principle, that the very thing that makes it difficult to be mindful 
That's the thing to be mindful of. And one of those things can be desire. And that's one of the key places in meditation where you want to check in and see, where's the desire here? That is, when you're not able to be easily present, the mind's drifting off a lot, then check in. What's the desire that's operating in here? Is there some way of clearly recognizing, knowing the desire, feeling it in your body, that uh, where it begins to lose its grip on you? And maybe then it becomes easier to continue with your, um, with your meditation. So thank you very much. And uh, so we'll continue with the hindrances this week. <laughs>